sit back, relax, and enjoy Mean Girls 1800s edition. The self-proclaimed queen of the blondes took Deadwood by storm, and on Wednesdays, we take the petticoats and stagecoaches out. Even though she may have been a bit of a queen bee, doesn't mean she wasn't loyal to her own, kind, and very, very charitable. I got someone to feed my legs and make a dead man come on. I got someone to feed my legs and make a dead man come on. Hello, my name is Summer, and this is Paying For It. Thank you for being here for episode 22. Today, we are diving in to the Mean Girls of Deadwood 1800s. Listen, getting into this, I couldn't help but laugh about how Mean Girls, her and her little blonde posse was. So that's our theme today. Also, I'm sitting a little bit close to the camera right now because a gargoyle has joined us. If you're watching the video version, you may see him, but I don't want to knock him out of a spot. So here he'll stay. Anyways, we will be getting all, all into the queen bee and all that soon. However, before we get to the queen of the blondes, Please consider liking, leaving a review, and following. It helps out a lot here on Paying For It, and I would really appreciate it. Anyways, hello. How are you doing today on this fine, fine day? I'm doing pretty well. Our AC went out again, but it's fixed again, so, you know, I... I Hope that it stays fixed. <laughs> Hopefully, pray for us. We will need it. It's getting into the very hot, hot season here in Texas. So your girl can't survive with it being 92 inside and 93 outside, you know? Don't do that to her. <laughs> I've been pretty good. Other than that, I just spent my days off cleaning um, and kind of just hanging out doing some cleaning, chilling, uh, eating. Yeah, just vibing, really vibing. Uh, let's see, not much else other than that, really. Uh, it was time for a good old spring clean. Uh, let me see if I can fix this mic here. It's like, no, you've done this to yourself, and he's about to jump off anyways. Hey, where are you going? You don't need to be up there. Okay, now we're kind of settled. I've been, yeah, just, you know, this past couple days, I've just been hanging out around the house cleaning. I was going to go to the pool yesterday. However, it rained and stormed and lightning. So I had to give up on that idea. We'll go another time. Uh, I did... 
I did end up reading a, a pretty odd book, I would say. Um, I should have known going into it that it was going to be semi-odd. It was very dark. It was called The Invention of Sound by Chuck or Nick Chuck. I forget his name, um, but the guy who did Fight Club. So, you know, if you know anything about his writing, his books, whatever... You'll know they're kind of odd, and it was kind of odd. It was very odd, actually. Probably that one of the oddest books I've ever read. But um, though it wasn't like for me, it was for someone. So I I could understand the appeal for it, even though it's not my type of horror genre. I would say um, you can't have any of that. But yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Hopefully you guys are having a great time. And yeah, when I did episode 20 on Dora Dufran, I wasn't expecting it to turn into a bit of a series on the characters of Deadwood, South Dakota. But I mean, come on now. How couldn't it have? I started pulling the strings of Deadwood and it seemed like there was quite a few people we should talk about. In the pulling of the strings and the researching of the characters, though, I did go stumble across the Deadwood um, HBO Max series, or I'm sorry, Max series now, I think it's called, that came back, that came out in like 2014 or something like that. I'm going to have to watch it. I will update after I watch it, but... I, I'm going to touch on it more next episode, but I, I do feel like I won't like it as much because I'm pretty sure it's going to be all male focused on the characters of the men of South Dakota or Deadwood, South Dakota. So completely, of course, ignoring, pretending they didn't exist, real queen bees of our Deadwood history. And today we're going to be talking about a real, real queen bee. So, you know. Anyways, I hope you've been enjoying it, this little mini-series so far. And, and today we will be going into another prominent madam of Deadwood, a competitor to Dora Dufran. We touched on her in episode 20, though her story is much more than just that, as we will be getting into that soon enough. This is going to be the second to final part of our accidental deep dive of Deadwood, South Dakota. So if you haven't already, I highly recommend you go back and listen to episode 20, 21, 20 and 21 before this one and come back. And then come back to us next week for episode 23, the conclusion of the Deadwood and its ill repute history. Get out your burn scroll because today we are going into Deadwood to meet the mean girls of Deadwood, South Dakota in the late 1800s. Now, if you thought a burn book was bad, get ready to be a bit shook because the Queens of the Blonde wasn't one to talk behind your back or in a book. No, when she thought you were below her, she would make it known face to face. She wasn't afraid to say what she had to to your face. She was a woman who loved the good time, 
opulent parties and partaking in the hooch every once in a while. So with that, you know what time it is. And grab yourself a cocktail, a mocktail, a coffee, whatever you fancy. Today I have a little bit of a spicy honey pineapple margarita with a splash of strawberry that you can't see. Um, so yeah, that's mine. I hope whatever you have, you are in enjoying it. Anyways, I hope whatever you have, you are enjoying it. Cheers, 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 cheers. And let me introduce you to Molly Johnson. Molly Johnson's beginning years. No, Molly Johnson's beginning years are a mystery to history. Her birthday, her parents, what her life looked like leading up to her history-making days are lost. Molly, which is most likely not her birth name, was born in Alabama. And that's pretty much all we know about the mystery that is Molly Johnson's before she became a madam. It is widely believed that Molly Johnson started her career as a vice doll in Alabama when she was as young as 15 or 16. Um, it's important to note that that is way too young to be joining the sex trade. However, this was the 1800s and this was no easy time to be alive. Here on Paying For It, we aren't here to pity them nor judge them. They had plenty of that through their lifetime. We are here just to celebrate them. I just simply want to be able to tell their story, show the good, the bad, and the ugly, but also the glamour the freedom, and the power some of these women could gain in a world that definitely wasn't built for them. So it can't be confirmed if Molly was in the sex trade by the time she was 15. However, it is very, very likely and highly believed by historians that by the age of 15, at least, she was selling sex. It is believed that before Molly left Alabama, she had also been married. However, she would arrive in Deadwood, a widowed woman. Whether they traveled together and something happened on the travel, the travel over, or if that's part of the reason she left Alabama, we aren't sure. But when she gets to Deadwood, she is no longer married and she considers herself a widow. Molly starts to really make a name for herself when in Deadwood. Like Dora, Molly went to mind the men who were hoping to get rich in the gold rush. It is a little unclear when exactly Molly promoted herself to Madam. However, by the 1800s, we know that the census that Molly claimed her age to be 27 and to have a house full of blondes on the corner of Sherham and Lee Streets in Deadwood. So basically, we're not exactly sure when she 
went into the madam business, but it's most likely pretty quickly after she moved to South Dakota. She rents this house, she starts collecting blondes, and the rest is history. Her house wasn't like the other houses or cribs around. Molly made sure to keep a very opulent house with at least five girls, and she did not cater to just anyone. She really only catered to the uh, affluent and, you know, rich type. And all of her girls, well, they had to be blonde. Whether that was natural or by historical hair dye, she didn't care. You just had to be blonde to work in her house. What would a little historical hair dye look like? <laughs> Wild to think about, but they definitely were dyeing their hair even way back then. In fact, the hair dye person, I was looking this up, the, the, the main breakthrough for hair dye actually came in 1800s. So hair dye really was all the rage back then. Anyways, the girls had to be blondes and beautiful in order to work within her house. No exceptions were ever made. Her main prodigies were Ida Clark, Ida Chaplin, and Jenny Dashabu. The queen and her blondes were your historical mean girls. That's right. Molly and her blondes were the mean girls, the mean girl group in Deadwood. Um... In fact, Molly would rent a carriage for $10 an hour in order for her and the girls to stroll around town taunting and being just plain out bullies to other vice dolls of Deadwood. They would be mean to anyone they could, honestly, taunting them for not working for Molly, being a crib girl, or just weren't as prosperous or in their opinion, just not as beautiful as they were. So, you know, they would... Ah, can you picture this? Okay. Picture this just group of blonde girls. Blonde prostitutes. Okay. <laughs> Piling up in their carriage because it's the 1800s. And being like, what sounds fun to do today? Well, let's get in our carriage and let's just rent it. Let's just go around town and make fun of everyone else. Make fun of all the other girls who can't join our house because they're not as beautiful as us. Now, if that ain't some 1800 historical mean girl bullshit, I don't know what is, okay? Um, they're out here renting carriages just to go taunt girls. But, you know, it's so weird to get into history and see, damn, People were are just not that different. We were assholes back then and we're assholes now. Nothing's changed. In true typical Queen Bee fashion, Molly loved to throw opulent balls. She would throw them in like the firehouse or even various warehouses within the camp. Because remember, this isn't even quite a town yet. This is a mining camp. So her place sometimes wasn't big enough for what she wanted. So she would rent out the firehouse and eventually they, she would go on to also rent out like warehouses so that they could party. 
Molly was often making headlines for her big parties, which made for great marketing opportunities for her and her girls. You know, they would throw these parties in, they would just call them parties and balls, but really it was just, you know, another way for the girls to uh, market themselves, get introduced to new clientele, meet people, mingle, and make connections. See, unlike a lot of the madams that we have heard about, Molly didn't stop taking on clients once promoting herself to madam. No, 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 no. She liked what she did and she liked the money, honey. She made her right along with it. So no way was she giving up the side hustle just because she got a little promotion. She continued to take clients herself as a madam as well. Which, to be honest, a lot of the times when you hear about girls going from prostitute to madam, they stop taking clients or at least stop taking on a lot of clients. There probably was times throughout a lot of their lives that maybe they did take on another client. We don't know. But for the most part, that was kind of the perk of the job to get yourself into this business was to not have to do that anymore if you didn't want to. But Molly was like, I'm fine. Let's keep going. You know, so she didn't stop taking clients. Her parties weren't just the only thing she was making headlines for. Her actual first appearance in the local news was in February 1878 when she married Dutch Lou Spencer. He was an African-American man who was a minstrel and a comedian. So he was someone like a stage act kind of. And this made news, one, because... That was something they did back in the 1800s. I don't know if they still do it now. I just know historical, historically marriages were printed in the newspaper because they were big news back then, I guess. But especially this would have been big, big news because Molly was a white girl marrying an African-American in the 1800s. So, uh, you know, scandal. And um, we've learned that the newspapers were just gossip girls they love to gossip just as much as everyone else and they just found a way to make it their job and career her marriage to dutch oh probably you could imagine wasn't your typical marriage because just because she was married it didn't mean she was going to quit her job on either end she was still a madam and she was still going to be taking clients and she made that very clear the camp would often watch her act anything but a married woman and she clearly didn't care one bit what the camp or those around her thought of her and her wild ways she didn't care she was married but mm, she did not act like she was married according to the camp, you know? She just did her thing. And a lot of people who met, who knew Dutch, didn't think of him as a married man either. So they both were married, but no love lost, I guess, when things, I don't know <laughs> what I'm trying to say. They just clearly... 
didn't really um, care if one another was seen or sleeping with someone else, money involved or not, you know? So no one really just, no one really felt the love connection between the two, I guess. Her antics definitely kept her in and out of the headlines in the many newspapers of Deadwood, even if she was being scorned for her wild ways. It didn't matter because newspapers couldn't help but eat it all up. She was the talk of the town, baby. Soon after getting married to Dutch, he left for Denver. Not long after that, he was arrested for shooting his wife. Which came as quite a shock for his wife, Molly, who was safe and sound, still in Deadwood. Apparently, Dutch had a wife on the side or, or maybe, she, you know, who, who got married to him first? That's unclear. And what exactly happened to make him shoot her in Denver? unclear as well. However, his second wife luckily did survive, and though Dutch went to prison for a little bit, he didn't stay locked up for long. It also seems that Molly and Dutch's life passed and never passed again, never actually getting divorced though. So it was like he left when he was there, when they got married, it wasn't like there was even that much love there. Maybe they had alternative motives. Maybe he paid her. He needed something from her, something, because it didn't even seem like they hung out with each other, even in Deadwood. But when he left for Denver, he got married again, or maybe was already married. Something happened there with that wife. He tries to shoot and kill her. She luckily survives. He goes to jail for not so long. And he's out back on the streets being... I think he goes on to be like musician. Records one of the earliest renditions of a song that we know of. I can't remember the name of. And you know, on with his life. No big deal. Molly and the girls loved to be the source of gossip for those around town. One time after having a great old time at a baseball game at Fort Mary, a game that they got real lit on some hooch at, and uh, hooch, just in case no one knows, or just in case someone doesn't know, was the nickname for liquor. It was mostly referred to as black market liquor, at least, and often it was the illicit whiskey being drank. So mm, let's just take our time to think about the 1800s and what the 1800s liquor would taste like. Goddamn. I don't think I could ever, okay? <laughs> like, there's a reason that some people call it... they. Like, there's a nickname for it called, like, gut, gut rot, rot or something like that. If you have to, if you're calling your liquor gut rot, mm, it's not good, okay? It's not good. Anyways, they are getting real lit at this baseball game on some hooch. They're having a fun time. They're laughing. They're joking. They're drinking. They're probably gambling. They're smoking. Whatever, you know. They're acting all types of wild and definitely drawing the eyes of the men 
okay? But also the proper men's wives who were looking down upon them for not being quiet, pretty and quiet. That's how you were proper back then. You were pretty and quiet. You didn't drink. You didn't act a fool. And you definitely didn't laugh and have a good time. Okay? Just made you a hoochie. And that's, you know, that was what they were kind of going for. Anyways, they were pretty nice and tipsy by the time they left the game and decided it'd be fun to rent some buggies to take them home. Except, as the story goes, they didn't stop drinking once they started on their journey back home. They weren't halfway home before they all thought it would be a great idea to race each other. So, you know, drinking and driving their buggies soon collided, leaving one of them semi-injured and the rest of them stranded far from home. Luckily, everyone survived their drinking and driving accidents. Don't be out there like Molly and her blondes. Be safe. Starting the long trek back home, a group of men ride up upon them. The girls ask for their help and they get them and the injured friend back home safely. They promise to return the favor free of charge, of course, the following night, if they wanted to stop by the house. Molly wasn't just making headlines for being a queen of the blondes. The newspapers were also attempting to try and start catfights between her and her other rival houses, which is insane. Often reporting and printing stories stating inaccurate or exaggerated quotes or information regarding Molly. Although Molly wasn't cool with others that worked for the business, outsiders she didn't like. She only trusted those in her house. And that's why she kept her inner circle pretty small. Just because she wasn't trusting the outsiders doesn't mean she was riding on them as far as we can tell. At one point, the Times newspaper reported on the arrest of three of Molly's competitors after they got busted for selling liquor without a license. The Times accused Molly of providing key information that got them arrested. The article read... Caused the correlation of her Lassivus sisters, and it was the opinion of the average rounder that Madame Molly is fixing a good pounding for herself by the trio of female sinners referred to. The following day, a very irked Molly sent a note to the Times stating... I don't know nothing of the ladies referred to. I'm the last one to do injury to these ladies, or as you say, my sisters in sin. Just basically saying, fuck you guys. I'm not out here trying to make trouble with my sisters who got fucking arrested. I don't even know them and I don't even like fuck with them like that. But I'm not out here going to take you guys lying on my name. And that's so weird that the, I mean, I guess we see that nowadays in newspapers still just misprinting or just 
intentionally telling not the truth to stir up a little drama. Uh, it was way worse back then. And they were just, they were just basically encouraging these three girls to get out and fuck with her, you know? And she was like, mm, 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 no, no, no. Oddly enough, Molly made headlines also for taking in some teenage girls in the insistence of their mothers. It was well known that Molly had a motherly sternness, kindness, and compassion to her girls. She was often encouraging the girls in the trade to live a virtuous life and would also take in boarders to help them. So any girls who may be like homeless or needing a place to stay, she was often allowing them to come in and not be forced into the sex trade by her. You know, like if that wasn't their thing, that wasn't their thing. And they had a safe spot to stay until, you know, they could figure it out. This brings us to the mothers of two girls living in the town, Miss Petty John and Miss Whittle. The mothers swore that their daughters were hell raisers and out of control. They had gone to great lengths to change their naughty ways, but to no avail. Their daughters just weren't willing to change. After the girls snuck out one night to attend one of Molly's or possibly Dora DeFran's opulent parties, they got caught trying their hands in the trade. So basically, they got caught at one of these parties attempting to uh, solicit sex and um, their mothers were pissed, to say the least. The next day, the moms petitioned the court to send them to Molly's house for rehabilitation. Molly agreed to the task and took in and cared for the two girls, which is insane. So these moms say, you know, these girls are troublemakers. They're hellraisers. They're out here just causing God to look down upon us in the worst way. And they get caught at one of these parties. I'm assuming trying to uh, sell a little something. And um, instead of like, I don't know, talking to the girls, figuring out, I don't know, you know what? I wasn't there, so I can't be super judgmental, even though I'm like, hmm. Seems a little weird to me. Seems like the moms didn't want to deal with it anymore and just like went to the court and was like, just send them to a whorehouse. Uh, that, that's what they want to do. That's what they're going to do. But luckily for Molly, she took these girls in and really cared for them and showed them like the way. I don't know if there was any rehabilitating going on. I think the girls fell into the lifestyle and went on to live that life. In Molly's house, though, it was either you followed her house rules or you were out. That simple. You aren't going to be a part of her girls because she was the queen of the blondes if you weren't willing to walk her line. So, it might have been good structure for the girls. Who knows? Who knows? But it seems weird. But it also shows us the time we were talking about, you know, where if you showed any disrespect or any like 
slight inkling to be going down the fallen path. They just kicked you out. They were just like, you can go to her house now. Moms out here really like no love lost to their daughters. Even if they were straying down a bad path, you know, moms didn't give a fuck. <laughs> Molly wouldn't just make headlines for the gossip, though. She would also make headlines for being arrested a few times. Though somehow, she was always protected from the soliciting or running a house of ill repute. No, Molly knew the right people, it seemed, in that case. However, they couldn't keep her out of trouble when it came to selling liquor without a license. Brothels? Or maybe we should just say woman. They weren't allowed to get liquor license. So at this time, prostitution was looked at as a necessary evil because, you know, the government was making that moolah off of them. And if you knew the right people, you could be kind of untouchable like Molly was when it came to selling sex. However, getting caught selling liquor was a completely different story. Now, that just couldn't happen from just no woman should be selling liquor, you know. My boyfriend is replaying Red Dead <laughs> Redemption 2, and I am the type of person who actually really likes to watch games being played. I like to play games, but I suck at them, but it's really fun to me to watch them being played, and a lot of the times during the, like, slower or just, like, because this game is a bit of a slower pace, I'll just read or whatever. I like to read, you know, whatever. But uh, he's replaying that, and I just couldn't help. And this this is for those of you who don't know, is a game taking place in, like, I think it's, like, early 1800s, late 1800s. But it's, like, the Old West, okay? And you're following Arthur, who's going to, he's, a, he's an outlaw gang member, you know, trying to have, you know, whatever. But there's a scene where um, he has to get on a hot air balloon, <laughs> And he's working with a girl who introduce him to, introduces him to the person who owns the hot air balloon. And the crazy thing was, Arthur says, what, she's not coming with us? And the, the dude who owns the hot air balloon goes, women can't fly. It'll affect their vapors and all that. And I could not stop laughing. Could not. Because, yes, it's just a video game, but honestly... That's some shit that people thought of. Like, if women got too high up, it would change their vapors. It'll, it would affect their vapors, which, what? But also, even if it wasn't their vapors, they just really thought, like, if women moved wrong, they were fucking ruined, okay? And <laughs> just really, Sometimes looking into, like, history really is like, damn, what the fuck? And to live anything, even if you were living a fallen life as a woman, they would still <laughs> not let you sell liquor or get a liquor license because that's a man's job, you know? Anyways, that was my little rant on that. Yeah, so she was definitely getting arrested for selling liquor because even though it was a man's job, uh, she everyone knew, uh, 
You could make some money selling liquor at your brothel. People wanted to have sex in a good time, okay? They needed a drink to do that sometimes. So she has a few arrests on her record for selling that liquor, honey. In 1879, a fire started raging through Deadwood, taking most of the town actually with it. At the same time the fire started, Molly had just lost one of her girls, Jenny Phillips. She had been sick for a bit and um, she passed away due to what a lot of historians think was a cat bite or maybe just being sick previous and then she got bit by the cat. It's a little unclear the cause of death here. However, we do know, sadly, she had passed away and they think it was due to a cat bite. Anyways, Jenny did pass away and while the fire was raging close to the house, Molly had plenty of time to get her things. However, it was bad timing because Jenny hadn't been picked up yet and she was still being held at Molly's house within a casket and Molly refused, refused to leave Jenny there. She didn't care about her belongings. She at the time just she was being a good person, a good friend. She was not going to let Jenny be there by herself and get caught up in the fire, you know? So right as the roof caught on fire of Molly's house, her friend was being luckily taken out and she was taken to the neighboring town of City Creek for her proper burial. And that's a sweet thing that I'm sure Molly paid for. And uh, she lost everything. She had plenty of time to get her belongings, but she did not care about those things. And so, yeah, her whole, she lost the entire house and pretty much all of the furniture and everything. She didn't care. And she was happy that she could get her friends out so that they could be buried properly, which shows that even though Molly was a mean girl, which she was, she was loyal to her own. Molly would go on to rebuild her house in the same location for seven grands. And back then, you know that was some money, okay? She would be back up for business in time to throw her annual Christmas party where she would charge her customers $2 entry fee. Her house sadly would go on to catch fire two more times. These ones less disastrous, but still troublesome, of course. One that started in the chimney and the other in the upstairs bedroom. None of those fires were able to stop her, though. And she would just clean up, repair the damage, and be back open for business as soon as possible. Although the papers loved to give Molly hell, they also would praise her for her charity work. She was known to be very charitable. She routinely donated money to the civic organizations, but she would step up her game during the holidays, often giving money to churches to buy presents for the needy children. 
She would give money to the city founders for July 4th, celebrations, meals and clothing for the poor, and books for schools. She was giving, giving, giving as often as possible. Not only that, but she was extremely loyal and cared deeply for the girls that worked in her house, making sure they were well taken care of, keeping them healthy, properly clothed, and very protected. She was known to call the cops on men who came into her house and acted inappropriate or violent. She wasn't afraid to hold those men accountable and to make sure that they never came back. Probably why Molly was known to have pretty mellow houses when it came to catfighting or brawling from the men. She respected her girls and they so respected her as well. Business got so good that eventually, around 1881, Molly decided to expand her business to Leadville, Colorado, where she would go on to open a house. At first, it seemed that her house was going to be a hit, just like the house in Deadwood. Although, within a few weeks after opening in Leadville, problems arose. Early morning at the second house on State Street was going to be the scene of a stabbing, of a cruel and cold-blooded murder. Well, maybe. February 10th, 1881, edition of the Black Hills Daily Times reported. It seems that about midnight, a man named Ahern entered the place and treated the woman to a beer. While talking with another man, a stranger came in and after drinking with the party was requested to set them up himself. He declined to do this and at the same time began to heap abuse upon those present. So basically, this man at here comes in, sees everyone, buys around for the 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 whole brothel, everyone there. This other stranger comes in, joins in on drinking that round, you know, starts partying with them. When Adhir said to um, line them up, that meant, hey, you're here partying with us. You're around, you pay for the next round if you want to be a part of this. But uh, he didn't want to do that this stranger. According to the paper, Adhere called him a son of a bitch and jumped up to eject him from the house. The stranger, though, suddenly drew a knife and stabbed him twice. Now he fell to the floor unconscious, and the attacker fled the scene where he would go on to escape and never be caught. And here, well, he was immediately cared for, for the, by the house and rushed to the hospital. However, his fate is a mystery to history. No one knows if he survived or not. No one knows what happened to him once being dropped off at the hospital. So it could have been a cold-blooded murder. It could have just been a stabbing. We're not sure. Either way, the stranger went free, and this made, you guessed it, negative headlines for Molly Johnson. Molly definitely needed to distract from the very negative headlines and bad 
publicity she was getting in Colorado. She would go on to uh, throw elaborate balls in Denver and Deadwood, only inviting the most respectable clients, the well-mannered guests, the ones that weren't going to cause trouble, or she thought. They were treated to several shadow show dense numbers, food, drinking, and just a plain old good old time. Though at some of these balls, her well-mannered clients weren't immune to having too much to drink and getting out of hand. Which is exactly what happened to bank manager Corey Huffman and lumberyard owner James E. Weatherspoon. The boys were having a good time drinking and being entertained. However, after one too many, they thought it would be fun to cause a little trouble. Leaving the party to throw rocks at the bordello, breaking several of Molly's windows, Molly didn't take the troublemakers very kindly or thought it was very funny at all. And she, in fact, had the men arrested and then banned from ever coming near her property again. So these were people she thought would behave herself, but also were regular clientels of her. And that's how they got invited into these balls. But if you fucked up in Molly's eyes, you were out even if you were a man. And she felt probably very disrespected by these men coming to her party, drinking her liquor, uh, being entertained for free, and then going out and vandalizing her property. She was like, you dicks. So yeah, she called the cops, they got arrested, and then they got banned because that was probably the best thing she could do to like really stick it to them. Like, oh, you thought this would be funny? Okay. Where are you going to get your pussy at now, boys? (laughs) Molly would be coming and going from Deadwood a lot in 1882, traveling all over to where we're not quite sure. She didn't leave a big trail to all the places that she went, but probably but mostly between Denver or probably mostly between Deadwood and Colorado. However, Molly would make the headlines one last time and on January 1883, announcing her departure from the area, which was also something that would happen a lot, would be like the newspapers reporting on big people moving out of areas. Interesting. That would be so weird to have to like report on, but that was something that happened. Molly made the decision to move out of the boomtown to disappear into history. Whether she went to open more brothels in other boomtowns or maybe retired and rode off into her sunset, well, that may be a mystery to history forever. The historical mean girl of Deadwood, South Dakota story may end here. However, her legend should live on. She was a woman of Deadwood that lived the wild, wild west ways. And though she may have been a tad bit of a mean girl, we still can celebrate her for her kindness, loyalty, and love she showed towards the girls within her tribe of the blondes. 
We can also celebrate her in the fact that yet again, another madam, a woman of ill repute, one that I'm sure had to deal with her own share of judgment in her lifetime, was still so very charitable and kind to those less fortunate than she was. Because through it all, let's not forget, this was during the gold rush. Men were hitting it big. And the women, well, the ones that chose a life of freedom, were hitting the jackpot just as well. She was very wealthy and she was very charitable with that wealth. Can we say the same about the men who were hitting it big on the minerals of the earth? I'm not so sure. That, my friends, was the story of the good, the bad, the ugly, but also the glamour, the power, and the freedom of Molly Johnson, a prominent madam of Deadwood, South Dakota. With that being said, I really hope you enjoyed learning about our queen of blondes in Deadwood. I hope you will join me next week again where we will be concluding our series on Deadwood. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs> I got something between my legs gonna make a dead man come on. I got something between my legs I'll make a dead man come out. Thank you.